So Lisa, we have some incredible news. Our friend and let's see, outspoken alumna and all of those good things, Sika Henry, just completed her very first pro race. Congratulations, Sika. Uh, finished up Ironman 70.3 Augusta as her first pro race. Um, and just super proud of how she ran her way into 10th. I mean, we, you and I both know that uh, the, the run is, is her happy place. As, as much as she complains about it, um, the run is her happy place and truly her strength. And she ran her way up into 10th. So we're super proud of Sika. And, um, you know, it's, it's got to be an interesting change going from, you know, kind of chasing the pro card to now actually having it. So super proud. Yeah. And I just saw on her Instagram that she kind of did a little post-race debrief and shared that it was a very humbling experience because racing Mm. as an age group versus racing as a pro is a night and day difference, which of course, right? Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. um, now you're definitely in a different pond in the professional sphere. Um, But I really think it's great because she you know, was behind on the swim and the bike. And then she came into the run and she passed six people in terms of, she may not have actually passed them, but in terms of the overall times, when we look at the time, she was faster than six people out of that 15 that were in the race. And so, you know, I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty phenomenal because at the run, right. That's when you're usually Mm -hmm. the most tired and she was able to kind of rev up and um, push it. Absolutely. And so I hope that you're proud seeker. If you're listening to this, we were cheering you on and um, we think you are going to go really far because this was just number one and you got many more races in on your horizon. Absolutely. So I know that Sika just made a huge splash in the Ironman community, but we also have some other news in the Ironman community as well, that it's just sending all endurance sport athletes into a little bit of a tizzy, just brainstorming and thinking about it. So let's, let's kind of talk about that a little bit more too. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. So Lisa, let me just say, I was sitting in somewhat of shock and awe when I realized that yet another Ironman change was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't even know how to feel about that. I, I have such a love hate relationship with the Ironman brand that I don't even know if I should speak on it because I know anything that comes out of my mouth is going to be biased about this, but Of course, we have yet another change. There are some pros and some cons to the changes, but we do have another change. Um, The original change due to COVID was moving the traditionally held race in October to February. And now we have yet another change, right, Lisa? Mm -hmm. Yep. So they have switched um, the Kona event to may and it's not in kona (laughs) so it's in saint george utah and it is going to be over two days women are going to race on thursday and men are going to race on saturday no i got that wrong sorry that's going to happen in october um the two-day event and so Mm -hmm. uh yeah i have weird feelings about it too and i just want to preface this conversation with 
Shauna and I can be happy about things and we are happy about some of the changes here, right? But it's always a both end. It's always a both end. So we can be yay right. for change and we That's can right. also be a bit kind of mm, about the way that the change happened, which we're going to talk mm. about. Um, so mm. yes, so it's in May in St. George. So all those age groupers now get to race in a world championship. And then in October, it is theoretically going back to Kona and it is going to be a two-day event. So two world championships in one year. Right. Yeah. Oh, I have so many mixed feelings about this whole thing because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I kind of looked at some of the commentary that folks had, folks that were already registered for St. George and, you know, people were waking up to find out that, oh, I guess I'm racing in a world championship now because I was already registered. These changes have been made and they now affect my race. Um, so you could look up and you could be racing alongside one of my favorites, Miranda Carfrey or Timothy O'Donnell. You could literally have already registered and now these changes have affected your race as an age, age grouper. Um, but yet, you know, I think Iron Man, once again, the, the brand, I still deeply question because we weren't there when these conversations were happening. I deeply question the equity that's coming out of these changes, how intentionally or unintentionally strategized were they? And for me, I just really think that Iron Man continues to stumble forward into equity instead of actually being intentionally intentional about stepping mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. equity, which is my, uh, that, that is my frustration. Those are my mixed feelings. It's like, come on, Iron Man, you can be more intentional about this and make this happen. In fact, it could have happened yeah. before COVID kind of forced you to make this happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the 50 women Tacona um, advocacy effort that started back in 2015, you know, with wishing for or requesting that there be 50 professional women on the start line at Kona, in addition to the 50 men that was always denied for completely ridiculous and flimsy reasons. You know, it's 2021. And I think Alyssa Gadeski, who's one of those advocates, had said something like, again, like I'm happy for it, but it's 2021, right? Like, why did this take right. so long when you have had a, a large amount of people who have been advocating for this for some time? So this, I don't feel like this was an intentional change. So in that two day event right. in October, there's going to be 50 professional women on the start line. Um, I think it's a byproduct, right? It's a byproduct of let's expand the field over two mm. days so we can spread people out because Kona is notorious for kind of a crunched field with people coming out of the swim together on top of each other. And then huge issues with drafting on the bike, just literally because of the sheer mm -hmm. number of people. Um, and so they're like, okay, we'll do what we do in the 70.3. We'll put it over two days. Oh, well that creates room. So now we can have, um, the 50 women to Kona. So yeah, like they tricked into it. You're right. Like, I don't think equity was baked into that process. Um, no, no, you know, and I also question why are the women on Thursday and the men are on Saturday? So again, it's this, like, it's the same with tennis, right? The men's final mm -hmm. always comes second. Like it's the premier event, the final event. And so I question what the media coverage is going to be like that. And it's a Thursday, it's a mm -hmm. work day, right? Mm -hmm. So that's going to mm -hmm. affect the number of people who can watch the online broadcast for sure. Um, mm -hmm. so yes, women are going to get a cleaner race, right? Um, 
Mm-hmm. But there's also, isn't there also talk of putting older men, so men over 70, like yes. on the same day as the women? And yes. I, don't know, I don't know how I feel about that because I, yes. I really had a problem with women, the really, you know, fast women having to chase all of these older and slower men, um, or maybe not, I'll take that back, just slower men, right? Because age doesn't necessarily define your speed. That's um, right. So mm-hmm. it just feels kind of sexist and kind of ageist. Mm-hmm too for Mm -hmm. me right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 absolutely well you know here here's what we do know (laughs) um we know that iron man is about making a profit and i'm not even necessarily mad at that what i am frustrated with is leading with that and so we know that there's going to be a 40 million dollar economic impact in the state of utah in may uh, because that's that's what's happened in the past, uh, even when it came to calculating from 70.3. Folks who are already registered age groupers now get to be in the world championship. But, you know, th- there's some things that really frustrate me because, like Lisa, what you're mentioning, too, with women going first, to me, that kind of stinks of most other sports where there's kind of this quote-unquote undercard, right? So if I'm watching boxing, the first fight is usually the undercard, the ones that are kind of the folks you don't really know, maybe the up-and-comers, but they're definitely not the highlight um, of the fight, Right. And and that seems to be the case with most. I mean, even when I was in high school, the JV squad always goes before the varsity. OK, varsity doesn't come first and then JV. That seems to be how it works. And so that feels kind of like an undercard piece. But then, too, you know, some of the con- comments that I read on social media really have me given the side eye to Iron Man in total, because part of me feels that, yes, Kona has been romanticized. I'm even guilty of romanticizing COVID. Kona, I've always wanted to go to Kona. And Kona is also a point of accessibility, whether COVID was part of the issue or not, whether you had to be quarantined or not. Who do you know that can go to Hawaii more than a few times in a lifetime, if ever, much less to actually race, pay the cost that it costs to ship your bike there? all of those extra costs. So again, we're not only saying we're going to be purposefully elitist when it comes to ability in some way, age in some ways, financially, if it costs me almost equally the amount to register for the race as it does for me to buy a flight, you've now predicted who can get there and who can't. And most triathletes are actually on the upper end of income to even be part of the sport to begin with. So what you're saying is that folks who are already relatively gainfully employed, even not all of them have access to Kona. So what does that mean as far as accessibility? I think there's some, there may have been some undercurrent of pride in saying that only certain people by speed or by uh, finances can access Kona. And now that's stripped Mm -hmm. away when it comes to at least the access piece of it. Yeah, I mean, St. George is definitely more accessible, at least for mainland US residents, right? But from the international community perspective, I'm not sure that St. George is a whole lot more accessible. I mean, it's likely cheaper, perhaps, actually. I mean, it's not a big city. Um, So it is potentially Mm -hmm. cheaper for international folks to come, um, but definitely it'll be more accessible financially for um, yeah, U.S. residents, but you're so right because 
it's, you know, even for me to fly from Denver to Kona is nearly a thousand dollars. Easily. That, yeah, yeah. And that doesn't cover any, you know, that then I've got accommodations on top of that food. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The bike piece, all of those other elements. And we're talking, we're talking like $3,000 probably. Um, easily. easily. Easily for a very short trip. Right. Exactly. Um, and exactly. I do not, I do not think for one second that Ironman was thinking about how can we make um, the world championships more financially accessible to all those triathletes who um, want to come, qualify to come, but just don't have the financial capacity to do it. Yeah, no way. I mean, and, no. And no. it's a non, and it's a non-issue. And the reason why I know that it's elitist in that way. So the the friends of mine who I've seen who have qualified for Kona, from what I've seen from their social media posting, please someone email us or or send us something letting us know that we're off base with this. But from what I've seen, let's say Lisa has come in top two, top three in her age group, and she is now qualified for Kona. The next morning, there is finisher's breakfast. That's when you receive your lovely little plaque or whatever they're giving out to you at that particular race. And then Lisa whips out her big old Amex, whatever credit card she's using. Yes. And right then and there, she registers for Kona. If she does not have the money in that moment to drop it for registration, it rolls down to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, sometimes eighth person, and they get to go to Kona. So if Lisa shows up and races whatever Ironman to qualify, she needs to have the money to race to qualify and presuming that she qualifies for Kona, have the money already sitting there to then register for the big race mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all at the same time. So, yeah. you know, so that could be what, even not including accommodations for Kona, just the registration, you still need another grand sitting there, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good amount. I, I know it's three to four figures, high three figures to four figures. Yeah. It's a lot of damn money to be able to shell out immediately less than 24 hours after you qualified for the race. Yeah, I was so glad you're bringing that up because when I first learned that was how it happened for like the 70.3 World Championships or the um, full World Championships, it always felt icky to me, right? Because it felt like, yeah, you're you're euphoric, you're happy that you've qualified, right? So And so they're tapping into that emotional reaction to then suck you dry of money. Like it feels very manipulative to um, make you pay right there after you've just gotten your award and you're super excited and you're tired from the day before. Like it does, it feels really yuck. Like give them a week to think about it, right? It's like, and then you know, it's like having candy bars by the checkout in a grocery store. It's like those impulse purchases, right? That's where the magazines are. That's where the candy bars are. That's where ran- like random things are because people just buy the stuff. So it's the same stuff. It's like an impulse buy, but this impulse buy has such a huge financial impact. And and it goes both ways, Lisa. So let me let me speak. Uh, on behalf of those of us who enjoy the back of the pack racing in 70.3 and any other races, if you age group, if you're a winner in your age group and you go to Kona, they play off of your emotions to go ahead and drop the money to go to Kona. If you DNF, they do something similar where they also send an email and say, we realize that you didn't get to realize your dream yesterday. Here's another chance. And so, and this happened to me, this was what, three, four years ago when I was doing a a relay 
and we DNF'd. I DNF'd us on the bike. It was completely my fault. I was learning a new bike. Yeah, it just didn't work out. Literally, before we got home from the race, they were already dropping us an email saying, we know you didn't meet your goal. How about trying it again for next year? And I'm thinking to myself, wow. yeah, I'm pissed off. Yeah, I trained for months. No, I didn't meet the goal. But I'm also not in a mental state where I need to make this type of decision right now. So y'all are just going to have to wait until I'm good and damn ready to register for whatever race I want. But you're exactly right. It plays off of feelings and emotions that feel mm-hmm. good. I mean, I mean, think about everything regarding Ironman. You know, they have the big, you know. Iron Man Village, where you can go ahead and buy all your crap before you've even seen the red carpet. I mean, all of that stuff, all that stuff happens, all of that. So it is an emotional journey that they take you on. It's a matter of, do you want to go? And it's a matter of if you see that emotional journey or not right in front of your face. And this is to someone like me who has all the gear. And my friend brought me the flag back from, because I never had an Iron Man 70.3 flag. Now I have one for my training area. Know what you're walking into when you walk into Iron Man because it's kind of like that. Um, what do they call it? The the sirens that have that beautiful music that draws oh, right. you yeah. in. Yeah, that's what it feels like, right? That's what it feels like. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking about USA Triathlon, like after the age group nationals. You know, we got an email, I think maybe even before the age group nationals race had happened, we got an email saying register for next year by this date and you'll get like 20% discount. Um, you know, and so yep. it's, it's the same yep. principle. So I, I guess on the one hand, people who are marketing, um, folks on this, um, podcast will be like, that's just good marketing, right? Another way to look at it, this is this both end is it's manipulative and it's taken advantage of people when they're perhaps not in, um, an emotional state to make a good financial decision in terms of, you know, kind of their future outlook. So Absolutely. it is pretty interesting, um, mm-hmm. and now you've mm-hmm. got these two world championships in one year. So you've put, you're, are you asking, yes. so then you're asking all these, um, athletes to pay for May and then also potentially for October, because you're cashing in on that emotional, mm. um, connection mm-hmm. that folks have to the race. Cause it's completely feasible. You're going to have a good number of people in addition to the pros who are racing twice, racing. Two That's world right. Championships. That's right. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then we don't even know if this switch, um, this two day switch is permanent, right? Because it's mo- mm-hmm. primarily motivated by COVID. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where, you know, I want to acknowledge COVID, but also again, that tripping forward into equity piece that really drives me kind of bonkers with this whole situation. So, you know, the COVID situation, especially when it comes to the quarantining piece, Hawaii requires extended quarantine, which we know would also means more incurred cost because you got to have somewhere to stay for those extra days. You know, when your flight comes out, when it goes back, that type of thing, Utah isn't having a a required quarantine for travelers right now. So that's one thing. Um, And two, you know, what is the weight on their you know, healthcare industry in Utah, you know, do they have enough beds there? You know, if anything were to happen, because this is still a race, which means accidents can happen. All kinds of things can happen during an athletic race, which means you have to have healthcare professionals ready to go. You know, they hopefully have all that in place. And so that's part of their argument too. And so I think it's really interesting once again, that Kona is in my humble opinion, kind of shoving the Ironman brand into what you call that byproduct of equity 
Um, and I just so wish in the ideal world that these types of equitable changes or outcomes were more intentional. I mean, I just, Lisa, yeah. if you and I had Andrew Messick, you know, in a room to have a conversation, <laughs> we'd probably have a whole strategic plan ready to go before he walked out the door, because there's so many things that could have happened that haven't. And so I just feel yeah. like COVID has kind of bullied them into what folks have been asking for, for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I think there was a quote in one of the articles we were reading in preparation for this episode where Messick has called this change unique and historic. That's what Kona will be this year. And then he said something to the effect of that two days of racing in Kona will address the demand of athletes, the accommodate all those athletes that have deferred their entry and showcase women and men and, and the women's and the men's professional races. So clearly, Clearly, the 50 women to Kona piece is not a priority. Clearly, um, equal slots mm-hmm. for age groupers is not a priority. And clearly, it's they're not thinking about the financial constraints of hosting the race in Kona, um, mm-hmm. you know, because it's showcasing the women and the men's professional race, right? I mm-hmm. was shocked. I thought he was just going to say, and it gives us a chance to showcase the women's race because that's always the undercard, as you put it, right? Always the secondary right. race. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I read that quote um, and I I paraphrased it, but I just Mm -hmm. was like, yep, you just confirmed my cynical feelings about the motivations here. (laughs) Yes, I I completely agree. And, you know, unique and historic is a good way. Like when I read it, I said, oh, this is good spinning. I mean, we are just spinning until I am just dizzy here. Um, Because yes, it will be unique. Yes, it will be historic because this will be what the first time since 78, the year I was born, the first time that it wasn't hosted in Hawaii. Right. Absolutely. But you can be unique and historic for the wrong reasons as well. So let's just be very clear on that. Just because it's unique and historic doesn't mean it's positive in that way. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue watching uh, what the pros have to say about it. Usually it's kind of like, we'll take the the course that we're given type feel with it. But, you know, I do have some questions. I will constantly have questions. Lisa, I even thought about some of my first thoughts, even before I got into some of the equity piece was around, hold up, wait a minute. If I'm an athlete and I am, used to and or mentally prepared to race a course like Kona versus a St. George, which I'm envisioning, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this as well. I do not know the landscape of Utah, but let's say it's significantly more mountainous. It's different temperatures at that time of year. The swim may be completely different. People train based on the course that they're anticipating. So if you're someone who spent the majority of your endurance career chasing after a course like Kona, and all of a sudden you're going to a St. George, I was just talking with my running partner this morning, that's kind of like choosing or being shifted from Ironman Atlantic City 70.3, which is flat as a pancake, to Lake Placid, which we all know is the exact opposite Mm -hmm, of flat. mm -hmm. And so what does that mean for the athletes and their training, for example? So there's all kinds of things that are going to happen here. And, you know, I know that some people are like, you know, toughen up, you know, that's what Ironman is all about. You know, you do your best with what you're given, da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, but (laughs) there are some very real logistical changes Mm -hmm. for athletes. I mean, we're the, when you get to the Ironman level, regardless, something as simple as 
I need to take my fuel 15 minutes earlier than before is a big deal to us. So when you're saying that we're going to be racing an entirely different course, that can be mind blowing for an athlete. So just, you know, knowing that all of that is folded in, um, I'm not saying that the decision was going to be an easy one. But now not only did Ironman have a relatively difficult decision, but now athletes have a difficult decision to make as well, because people think that just because you qualify for Ironman World Championships that, oh, it's a once in a lifetime experience, you have to go. In fact, no, you don't. You don't have to go. And I'm not discouraging people from going. I'm just reminding us that folks have a choice. They have a choice of whether they want to go to St. George or not. They have a choice as to whether they want to support non-Ironman branded 140.6s. You have options here. And so, you know, I'm just thinking through how is that going to play out moving forward? Mm -hmm. Um, Because people have choices and I don't want to overlook that piece as well. People think Ironman is the default choice. Not so. No, it isn't. And it's just kind of um, pushed me a little further into the corner of, you know, if if they had if Ironman or Andrew Messick had said, you know, we're going to move to this two day format after we've shifted to St. George because um, it's the right thing to do. And sure, COVID um, really kind of precipitated this change, but we've been wanting for a while to offer a more equitable race to women the 50 slots to women and so that they have a cleaner, better race that isn't windier, isn't hotter. You know, it's the right thing to do. We really talked about this um, and how important that that was. You know, I'd feel a whole lot better about it. Um, But that's not, that's clearly not it. And so, yeah, I feel like it's just, it's just pushed me further into the position of if there are other other races that are not Ironman branded, then they're the ones I want to support, at least at this moment in my life, right? I don't want to give Mm -hmm. money to an organization that trips into equity, like we talked about, right? Like it's a byproduct. No, I want to give money to a race where they're always thinking about this and they're doing the right thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what pisses me off the most about the 50 women to Kona. And Alyssa Gadeski's also said this, right? Like if they Mm -hmm. wanted to do it, they would have done it because it's 15 more women, (laughs) That's it. We are not talking 6,000, right? They could have absolutely made that happen if they wanted to do that. And so now that now there's a pandemic and it's really about accommodating space and um, Kona doesn't doesn't really fit your model, right? And Mm -hmm. so now we're going to go to a city that is likely giving us a ton of incentives to be there um, to Mm -hmm. host the race. And that's more financially um, available to us. And then maybe we'll go back to Kona. Maybe we won't. But yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling very skeptical slash about it. <laughs> I, I am feeling, and see, part of this is probably because I was watching uh, Bryant Gumble earlier um, where he was interviewing a bunch of uh, activist athletes prior to the Olympics. And, you know, I'm I'm feeling some sort of way. You know, I'm still feeling like, where is the corporate social responsibility when it comes to Iron Man? Yeah, yeah. Where is it? I want it. I want you to stand for something. I don't want you to just fall for whatever. And I wish we could get further to a place where people are, we've talked about this before, they're voting with their feet or they're voting with their money to say, hey, I'm not going to support this brand until I see you make XYZ changes intentionally. I don't want to see 
my one of my brands or one of the endurance sport brands bullied by a pandemic in order for them to get where we've always wanted them to be. I don't want that. And so for me, um, one of my friends says it all the time, equity is both an outcome and a process. We're seeing an equity outcome, yeah. but the process sucks right, right now. It right. sucks. And I'm like, where is the process oriented stuff? I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. No, no. And if they don't keep the two day format, um, or, you know, maybe think about switching. So 2023, the men go first on a Thursday on a work day and the women are on the Saturday. They don't do mm-hmm. that. Then yeah. I'm like peacing out. It's over. Like, yeah, that thread I is agree. broken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I suggest Lisa that you and I, um, even if it's virtual with you in Colorado, me in Maryland, I think we should host our own little virtual watch party on October <laughs> 6th. Yeah. Okay. The six, when the the women toe the line to make it very clear that we are extremely supportive of the women having equal slots and for Ironman to be intentional about what they do in regards to all um, I've stopped using language, Lisa, around underrepresented. I've started using more language around systemically excluded folks. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it puts I'm the all responsibility of- on the entity that's doing the excluding. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. So I think we should host a virtual unfazed uh, women's uh, watch party for October 6th. And, you know, I, I think that's the way to go for now until we watch and see what right. Iron Man is going to do next. Um, but, yeah, I'm feeling meh about it as well. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So listeners, let us know whether you're jubilant. Um, neutral or meh. I'd, we'd love to hear from you all because, you know, we just interpret it one way and I'm sure many of you are going in all different directions with it. Absolutely. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. The Unfazed Podcasts and all things Feisty Triathlon are grateful to be supported by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise of diet and wellness trends by analyzing your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to provide you a personalized, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is a simpler, cheaper, and more convenient option than traditional blood tests, and their test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from the traditional option. What we love about them? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. Inside Tracker is offering 25% off their entire store to the Feisty Triathlon community. To claim your offer, go to insidetracker.com slash feistytriathlon. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit.
edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at try to defy at Dr. Gold Speaks or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. Mm-hmm.